Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, so we wanted to touch on a, um, a verse and just hear our community feedback um, and yeah, find some some something of our of our simple faith and simple foundations. Um, I'm not sure where scripture lives for you at the moment, um, but. I think many, for many of us, scripture has found a happy home in community rather than sort of in morning devotional and the pressure to, to have that as a practice that we've all got to keep up um, to, as a sign of our faith, but more that when we can, we, we bring scripture into our common space and explore it and question it and um, sometimes find, you know, glorious moments with it, but other times are left with our questions, but that it sits, that we still hold it as dear to our tradition and it sits somewhere in the midst of us in our church community. Um, we, <clears throat> I sort of, we started to touch on ages ago um, the idea that the earth is the body of God um, and it, it comes from sort of lots of teaching around the pan-entheist tradition, but that God um, isn't the earth but is in and through the earth um, and that we can know God um, in various ways of connection with creation, we can actually know God. Um, and so today we're going to touch on Psalm 19, um, Psalm of David, and it looks, it's uh, an old poem and nothing, I think, take you back to year 12. Nothing can ruin a poem by dissecting it and pulling it apart. <laughs> but that's exactly what we're going to do today is, is just slow, not hopefully not too heady, but just kind of re reflect and respond as we hear the words um, of this psalm. And C.S. Lewis said that about Psalm 19 is, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and is the great, some of the greatest lyrics in the world. Um, so no, no pressure on the psalm, but <laughs> he felt that this was uh, an important psalm and painted something beautiful. Um, but and I guess also just lastly before we actually look at it, um, in lockdown, I don't know what context or nature you have around you. You might be someone like John who's right by the beach and... Um, or someone like myself, there's a fair bit of concrete close by um, and others have even more concrete. But the little spaces of green, the trees, um, noticing the flowers that are changing. Um, I'm out in my immediate neighbourhood much more um, than normal because I can't leave it. Um, and it's all kind of come to life again. Um, and I was sort of reminded that, Many, many times I have found something of God in nature. Um, my conversion or my, oh, it's a terrible word, for, but my, my moment of connection with God that altered my life was, you know, on the top of a mountain, um, on top of Mount Hotham. Uh, and, and I think for many of us, if we check in where moments of thin spaces or moments where we connect something of between here and God is thin and noticeable and powerful. It often is somewhat connected to nature, not always, but um, but often is. And so it still remains as a, a powerful point 
of, uh, of, of connection, of divine revelation of um, where is God, is God speaking to me, I don't know. But in nature, I come a little closer to answering those questions. So without talking much more, we would like to just go through the psalm. I'm going to read it once um, and, and then we're going to go through it. It's not exactly um, verse by verse, which would be here for a long time, but I've sort of, I've cup, I'll post it in the notes and I've couple, you know, put it in little um, paragraphs that we can look at. And, um, and I encourage you after each paragraph, share your immediate thoughts. Um, there's something refreshing about um, just respond, um, ideas, thoughts, an experience comes to mind. Um, we want to hear from you. Um, and if that, even if not sh sharing in this setting isn't your thing, it's still lovely to hear from you as well. All right, I'll just read it. Psalm 19. The, he the heavens herald your glory, O God, and the skies display your handiwork. Day after day they tell their story, and night after night they reveal their depths of their understanding. Without speech, without words, without even an audible voice, their cry echoes through all the world, and their message reaches to the ends of the earth. For in the heavens the sun has pitched a tent. It comes forth with the grandeur of a wedding procession, with the eagerness of an athlete ready to race. It rises at one end of the sky and travels to the other. Nothing escapes its warmth. Your law, Yahweh, is perfect. It refreshes the soul. Your rule is to be trusted. It gives wisdom to the naive. Your purposes, O oh God, are right and they gladden the heart. Your command is clear. It gives light to the eyes. Uh, holding you in awe, Yahweh, is purifying. It endures. Your decrees are steadfast, all of them just. They are more precious than gold, than the purest of gold, and sweeter than honey, than honey fresh from the comb. In them you fulfil people, your faithful people find instruction. There is great reward in keeping them. But who can detect one's failings? Forgive the misdeeds I don't even know about. Keep your faithful one from presumption as well, so that my faults never control me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of grave error. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. So I'm just going to read the first little paragraph and please respond as you can. <clears throat> the, he the heavens herald your glory, O God, and the skies display your handiwork. Day after day they tell their story. And night after night, they reveal the depth of their understanding. One, one thing that it reminds me of is the discussion we had of the second creation story, the Adam and Eve story, and that idea of handiwork and the way a lot of the language in that second story is of artisans um, and makers and you know, that idea of um handiwork um makes me think of sarah <laughs> that they kind of and that patient slow adding of stitches and how um you can make something big and beautiful but it's incremental and yeah all of those 
things come to mind when I think of handiwork? I sort of, um, I kind of like the, the day after day they tell their story and night after night they reveal the depth of their understanding in kind of this blur of lockdown. There's something nice about the regularity of the sky that greets us each morning and the night that greets us each night. Um, there's just something in, in that kind of steady rhythm. Um, the world is at rhythm and it hasn't stopped with a lockdown um, and I, I kind of find a little bit of comfort in that. Anyone else? Um, I was thinking about one of the nights this week um, when the sky was clear and the moon was out pretty loud and I went round to the Indus to steal a lemon from their tree <laughs> to discover that they, like the two of them and their two and a bit year old were like headed out for a walk and he was jazzed about being able to like, we're going to look at the moon, like how much joy for like for him just came out of I'm going to go and look at the moon was, I don't know, that's what came to mind. It was very sweet. I'm going to post the next. Without speech, without words, without even an audible voice, their cry echoes through all the world and the message reaches to the ends of the earth. Just um, reminds me of, I think it's St Francis, that idea of preaching the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words, um, and that idea of the most articulate revelations of God often don't involve any words. And it just reminds me that there's a whole lot more that's bigger than us. Yeah. It makes me um, just think about that kind of faithfulness and persistence of God, like the the that they're always present, whether we ignore them or not. I'm not and like I definitely come alive in nature, but I also forget that really easily. And so I, you know, will go long periods without paying attention to nature, and then suddenly be in it and be hit with it and struck by it, and you know that have that sense of like, oh my gosh, it's you know, it's so beautiful and so amazing, and it's always here, and I should really engage with it again, and then forget about it for another, you know, six months or so. Um, but just the, the fact that the, the, the kind of persistence of that beauty and the persistence of that message that it's just kind of always waiting, like always waiting to be witnessed and admired. Yeah, yeah, that's quite beautiful. And it will be like, and it's like a lifelong, you know, like it's a mm. like that that cycle can continue the whole, your whole life, you know, and the, that patience is still there and the persistence of nature. I like it. It reminds me of um, how it, uh, it's one thing that's the same for everyone, the, the stars and the moon in the sky there. It's one bit of context that we all share. We're in different physical environments, different social environments, but um, yeah, it's something that shows the biggest perspective that we're all in together um, and they speak without words and the people all around the world have interpreted um, the sky and the, the like that part of nature that's the same for all of us interpreted in different ways and um, just that commonality of it as human beings. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, even, even now and just so many parts of the world are in such different states of being and you can't help but think of Afghanistan you know and like 
what's what's reassuring you know what's how is God speaking to people elsewhere however they view God you know that is the night sky of reassurance there you know is the day um yeah of of hope um who knows you know but there is for in the heavens the sun has pitched a tent it comes forth with the grandeur of a wedding procession with the eagerness of an athlete ready to race it arises at one end of the sky and travels to the other and nothing escapes its warmth and if it helps one of other translations take um the what this is the inclusive bible it says that it comes forth with the grandeur of a wedding procession but other translations the morning sun is a new husband leaping from his honeymoon bed that helps <laughs> many many have that <laughs> the bridegroom leaping on the morning after so to speak <laughs> who said the bible doesn't have saucy beards eh? <laughs> <clears throat> your law, Yahweh, is perfect. It refreshes the soul. Your rule is to be trusted. It gives wisdom to the naive. Your purposes, O oh God, are right. They're glad in the heart. Your command is clear. It gives light to the eyes. Holding you in awe, Yahweh, is purifying. It endures. Your decrees are steadfast and all of them just. The, uh, the girls and I have started um, using this book called we Make the Road by Walking by Brian McLaren, and it's sort of a 52 pages, an introduction to the, to the Bible story. Um, <laughs> we ended up having a very long conversation about the many-breasted one the other night. Um, but we we're reading the first, oh, the second creation story, and there's a constant referral to Yahweh, and Kitty was asking about Yahweh, and we had this long, confused conversation about god and yahweh and what who's who is this yahweh and what's the relationship with god and um it i love yeah i love the translation that makes it yahweh that the it's kind of confronting in a way this this very particular and personal name for god um and that complex relationship between the particular and the universal and um yeah i it really foregrounds, like it's it's easy to talk about God, um, but to talk about Yahweh to children, <laughs> like some crazy name that that these pastoralists a few thousand years ago came up with for their particular God, it, it foregrounds the, yeah, the kind of absurdity of our human constructions um, and how that relates to the universal is always such a, humbling question i think one of the um ideas around that name that made it so um real and and um uh what you call it maybe um personal for me was um and i, I actually need to fact check this because i it's just one of those ideas that sits in my head that i actually don't know where i got it from but the idea that yahweh is like the sound of breath like yeah and like i just love that idea that that for me made this like kind of weird four letter thing very foreign thing incredibly personal and incredibly um yeah intimate actually and actually 
transformed God from being the God of like kind of the authoritarian king God of the Old Testament into like that very personal God for me. Mm. I think Rob Bell does a nice, he talk, talks about that as well. And it, yeah, um, because I, as, with this, with this, um, um, the first half of the psalm, I can, you know, the, the poetry of the splendor of the skies and the kind of wonder of creation and finding God there, I immediately resonate with. And as soon as we, we you know, it moves into the wonder of creation and then the beauty of the law. I can feel my like, ring, 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 ring. Um, just the sort of the shutting of my soul. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, the, I don't hold, you know, the, the Torah or the, you know, the law in the same wonder as I would, you know, getting out on the top of a mountain. Um, but, you know, I sort of look at the second half of each, you know, and that's my own journey to go through, but sort of refreshing the soul, giving wisdom to the naive, gladdening the heart, giving light to the eyes, um, enduring and um, just. And I can't help but think, oh, in, I find that, you know, in the path of Christ to some of these, these elements I find in the journey of the church and my encounters with other Christians, you know, like that or even in nature itself. So I find the second piece of each um but then the law, the rule, God's purposes, God's command, um, God's desire for purity, you know, this purifying. But that, I, I sort of play with this poem a little bit. But, um, and, yeah, I guess that's just an observation of um, how, where does, uh, where do you find life in your faith? Um, is it in studying the law? And for many, for many Jews, for, for many the law is a life-giving, living experience of God for many, you know, being in nature is that life-giving interaction with God. And, and for others, it's an intellectual discussion. And for others, it's being in communion. Like it just is so interesting to just reflect on where, where do you get refreshment for your soul? Where do you reconnect with the divine love? Um, yeah, anyway, just a little thought I had. And if the law of God refreshes your soul, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I think that where it changed for me is studying literary criticism and the idea of the death of the author and um, that realisation that what we turned God into as an author was a kind of fascist author that needed to die so that we could return to that Jewish relationship with the text, which is so, so empowering, you know, like the idea of Midrash, all this creativity, all of this pushback, all of this conversation, all of this acknowledgement of the openness of the Bible and the space there to play and to argue. And we in the West turned God into this one-voiced dictator that had these rules that we had to follow and had no um and yeah and it was perfectly clear and it's all about obedience and and that you know torah has so many different translations and our associations with words like law and rule are so awful <laughs> and it's so tragic that that's what we've been 
left with when that's not how Jews have interacted with the Bible at all. Mm, very true. Any other thoughts? Um, I have to admit that when you read it through as a whole, Tamsin, my first thought was very, I think was not dissimilar to yours, like a little, <laughs> some like unpleasant flashbacks to um, kind of my youth and things like that. But at the same time, listening to it the second time through, having kind of dwelt on the kind of splendour of nature stuff beforehand, I thought about um, my best mate is a, a paleontologist and an earth scientist and how much joy he finds in absolutely mystify me because I'm deeply unscientific, but like how much joy he finds in the laws of the natural universe and that idea of if God is the world, then some of these things that are mysterious to me, but joyful to him about the way that rocks have to form or continents move or whatever it happens to be is kind of reflected in that sense of like, this is the law that the Lord has put in place. It doesn't have to be the thou shouts of us but the kind of the way that the universe is ordered kind of thing and how much joy he finds in that anyway yeah i love that yeah and i like the idea of kind of being around others who find life somewhere um you don't have to do you don't have to find life somewhere but <laughs> you know being connect being close to a life source you know doesn't it always have to be so direct it can mm. be um, I was I was reading um, Mike McHarg, um, his science Mike. Um, if you're a liturgist sort of person, and um, yeah, he he sort of found God in sort of the say the work of telescopes, space probes, and particle accelerators. You know, like that that is what directly led him the logic and the of the ordered world. You know. Um, all right, I'm just going to post this next. Thanks, Sarah. Kind of, this is kind of links to the last one about God's law and command. They are more precious than gold and the purest of gold and sweeter than honey, honey fresh from the comb. In them your faithful people find instruction. There is great reward in keeping them. But who can detect one's own failings? Forgive the misdeeds I don't even know about. Keep your faithful one from presumption as well, so that my faults never control me. The other thing I think about with this stuff is parenting, just that um, good parenting is guiding your children and giving them, you know, the capacity for impulse control and all of these kinds of small gifts you give them so that they can have freedom. Um, and if, if we see... God as, you know, a daddy, mummy, motherly, father, fatherly, mother, then seeing that guidance not as punitive but as trying to give instruction and guidance so that we can flourish. It's the uh, Irenaeus quote, I think, uh, the, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. And if, if God's desire is for us to be fully alive, then it, it completely transforms the idea of, instruction and yeah. um and law yeah. um yeah that's sort of like it, 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 this difference between the harsh judgment especially church voice of god you know like or someone's voice of god but the life-giving voice of god is is very particular no one can tell you what's going to be life-giving until you encounter it and it's life-giving um and i find 
yeah, in that um, sort of the discernment of uh, of instruction, you know, that you get to explore whether it's life-giving um, is, is a nice freedom that we have. Um, one thing that I, that line, um, but who can detect one's own failings really stands out to me. And I uh, just, uh, I guess, um, one thing I've really felt of late of not having the opportunity to have long conversations with friends is um, an inability to detect my own, particularly in my, in my romantic relationship, like I, I don't see my shit as clearly. Um, but when I chat with friends, oftentimes when I chat with friends, it's actually in conversations with them that I'm able to see like, oh, I was the one being petty and irrational and a bit of a dick in that situation. And that's something I've really needed to uh, try and, um, uh, yeah, in walks with friends and stuff and, and just be, I, I when I don't have that opportunity to bounce off other people, I get caught just like in like, oh, of course I'm right. And then not being able to see my own failings. So I just really resonate with that. And, and I think with lockdown, one of the things I'm really feeling the lack of is having uh, the opportunity to connect with friends where they, where, where they can uh, be, hold a mirror up to my, to my garbage, I guess, or my, what I need to work on. Yeah. Uh, hey, thanks, Josh. I, um, yeah, George and I often use the term, you know, trying to be a kind mirror. Um, and, you know, like mirror, it's a funny term because mirrors are truthful, but, you know, there's a, we, we hope to do it to each other in kindness. But in lockdown, you know, I don't always want George's feedback. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love some feedback from others. But, um, but, the, but, yeah, I guess as we're figuring out how, how lockdown is affecting us, you know, one way is that we're not having the feedback of dear friends and, and in front of you, you know, not necessarily on Zoom, like, but the true, where does... Who, who can be our kind mirror to our to our stuff and our shadow and how do we detect you know are we all going to come out of this you know poorer for it <laughs> like a narcissistic ego driven shadow folk you know that we need each other to refine again um but I guess yeah I appreciate you sharing that I love the idea of the, the kind mirror and like because the, the mirrors do reflect but also you can have mirrors with candlelight or mirrors with a fluoro um and it makes a big difference <laughs> science works mirrors that warp everything yeah <laughs> that's right they're the mirrors you don't want <laughs> <laughs> yeah <clears throat> then i will be blameless and innocent of grave error may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your sight yahweh my rock and my redeemer. Any final thoughts on? Sorry, I've, I've been talking so much. <laughs> it, just, it just makes me think of wisdom, you know, that the way if we're foolish, we can make a small error, like texting in the car or whatever it might be, that then has devastating life-changing effects. And that, um, yeah, to, to see God as desperately trying to help us to avoid grave errors that will have devastating effects on our lives and other people's is a, a beautiful way of understanding law. Mm. 
Yeah, I really love the, the thought. Like we've, we used to sing it in old school church, but my rock and my redeemer, that the image of a rock, you know, there's something in God that's foundational, um, but also redeemer feels more transformational. Like there's not, you know, they're kind of like two different images, um, something so absolute, but then something that's so um, unfolding, um, which I like the thought of God being both something stable but a living relationship that unfolds at the same time um, towards towards love, I suppose. Um, God as being and becoming. Oh, amen, Raj. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I um, This is the first time it stuck out to me, but, like, just calling the the idea of calling like the god of the whole universe a rock um i yeah i don't know like i know it means like you're stable and constant and all that stuff but also just like for me that is almost such a testament to um the beauty of the natural world in the rocks which we just see every day are also words that are used to named the divine creator of the universe and just like yeah i like that idea that a rock carries so much um uh reflection of of god's creation that where we that like the biblical writers were willing to literally call god a rock i shows a lot of love for rocks which i like <laughs> yeah that's why it's nice to have poetry kind of in in worship and in study you know that um just things come to life and remind you of and are drawn into the god conversation any final thoughts on our psalm 19 well given it's 12 we might um sort of start to to think about wrapping this up but i i guess um i won't share much more than what you've already shared and big thank you for your voices and your ponderings um but yeah i hope um that we can kind of in within lockdown and within our limits find room for creation and see if it has something to say if it um we have room to just uh, playfully ponder God in where, whatever bit of creation you are currently engaged with. Um, if I was to write <clears throat> this this psalm again or a poem of my own, um, I was thinking I um, perhaps would kind of invert it and reflect on the the root systems of all our trees and all the green patches are beneath us. Um, and I've just been learning a bit more about what happens in root systems and all these sort of fungal threads where water and nutrients and signals and alarms and hormones are travel, you know, pass from tree to tree. Um, and that older trees often pass nutrients onto younger trees and um, alarm signals are generated by one tree that's attacked by something and it passes it on to the rest. That to warn them of what's to come, and um, but there's this lovely connection in the subterranean circuits of our of our perhaps less so in our urban settings, but um, but I think in that is another kind of reflection on on the God who connects that we're connected to one another, um, we're all integrated, um, and we're all 
in need of one another um, and while we can't always see each other but we can be there in our small ways for one another at the moment um, and just trust that even through nature we are connected to so much um, we're connected to nature itself we're connected to the author of all things we're connected to one another um, yeah so a little sort of reflection if I was to write a psalm in similar worship of the creation um, or the creator um, we might take communion now so if you have a something a glass I've got a half-eaten bliss ball beside me <laughs> it's a bit unappealing right now um, but we're going to communion is um, you know if we could meet in person at times communion would be you know an acknowledgement of the produce of the earth um, you know grain and grapes and um, that something of the earth draws us back to God um, and back to Christ and I guess that's the the idea from today that something of the earth and something of creation draws our eyes back to hearing from God, knowing God, um, and knowing ourselves before God. Um, so let's take and eat and drink of what you have. And I'll finish with a benediction after I've chewed. <laughs> May we wake up fresh with fresh awareness of our environment each morning. May we look in wonder at the life supporting our very existence. May we see the skies and reflect on you. May we see the trees around us and know that their roots are drawn to one another. May we see Jesus in the work of reconnection, continuing through all creation. And remember that we are all created, connected. All things are connected and life flows. Your life flows and revives. All is being made new again and again a constant hopeful recreation. Amen. <laughs>